what I would say is any time you're evolving, you're going to make mistakes. I'm going to give the staff and the leadership and the execs air cover to make mistakes. But Mm -hmm. what we won't tolerate is not trying to evolve. Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind the scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by Bank Tech Ventures, the first strategic investment fund designed by the community banking industry for community bank innovation and investment. Bank Tech identifies leading products and technologies for community banks and works with the founders and management teams to maximize the impact for community banks and their businesses. If you're a bank looking to innovate and invest in your future, or a founder who wants to work with community banks, reach out to Bank Tech Ventures at banktechventures.com. We are in for a treat today. Eric Sprink is, as I would call him, a human energizer bunny. And he's also just such a generous guy and leader as he shares his time, his experience, his insights with others just so prolifically. Uh, and he's out there. He demonstrates so much what I would call the abundance mindset to his peers in community banking. And he's taught dozens of others how to do banking as a service the right way. And we'll talk about that today. He's currently the CEO of Coastal Financial, which is based in the greater Seattle area. And yet his community bank now is also supporting millions of customer accounts through some very large partners whose names you're very likely to recognize. He's been a banker for most of his career, yet he has this growth mindset that I would say is not entirely common among his peer lifelong bankers. I'm also really fortunate to count Eric as a partner with me in Bank Tech Ventures. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to know him these past five years. Eric, thank you for joining me today. Well, I appreciate that intro. You're, you're too nice, but I'm gladly, I'll take those compliments on behalf of Coastal and our team here in the board. Absolutely. You guys are doing some really good stuff. So let's start with the fact it's a new year. Um, you're a public bank CEO. How are you planning for this year ahead? Because there is a lot of turbulence and a lot of uncertainty in, in what this economy and what the banking industry is going to face. Yeah, you know, it's kind of fun. So we had our uh, executive meeting the other day and, you know, it it kind of smacks you in the face. Um, You're like, hey, great year, everybody. And you pat each other on the back the first three minutes of the New Year's meeting. And then you're like, now we're at zero. (laughs) And it all starts over. Um, You know, that's a humble phase, January 3rd, and you're in the office and you're like, man, this is a tough meeting. It's it's about working with the team and, and think of any organized sport, right? Mm-hmm. You, you fall in love with your teammates and, and your vendors and your partners and, and you get energized that the game's about to start again. Yep. And, and and you get pumped up and, and, and our team gets motivated and we start talking about the new year. And, and just some of your comments, you know, I think your intuition is right. Um, I also try to remind the staff that every January 3rd, proverbially, we say this is going to be the most complex, hardest year we've ever done. Mm-hmm. I have not found that easy year yet that doesn't have 50 curveballs, increased regulatory oversight, decreased fees, margin going to hell, 
um, you know, outside competitors coming in. So, you know, we kind of laugh at it and just say, hey, we're going to do what we have to do. We're going to keep evolving, keep growing, keep learning. And that model we have, which is hard, but you have to own it. We're going to be better this year than we were last year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be better next year than we're going to be this year. Um, so it, it kind of keeps it light and fun as you look at the daunting task of 363 days ahead of you. Sure. I mean, it's probably fair to say, you know, you, you've really embraced, embraced that idea of finding joy in the journey. I do. I do. I I'm, I'm very blessed to do what I do and I enjoy what I do. And, um, you know, being a CEO, you get to pick the team that you work with sure. and, um, I, I do have fun doing it. I, 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 you know, uh, the journey is what it's about. Um, you know, we're changing a lot of things and, and the environment's changing us too. So, but I, I, I personally love that. I'm not a coupon clipping type of person mm-hmm. that just wants to manage a steady cash flow. I, I want to evolve and grow. And I, I want our bank to be here in 15, 20 years. And, and that requires day-to-day mindset of enjoying the journey. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, let's go to the, a little bit more specific. So you're thinking about the bank, you're thinking about this evolution and the year ahead. What would you say are the top couple of priorities for your bank this year? You know, it, it, I think the threats out there, and you reply to the threats first, is obviously we, we, we've we got raising interest rates. And what does that mean for credit? What does that mean for margin? Um, how are the consumers going to react in this environment? Um, I think you've got an awakening on the CCBX side of the regulatory environment, heightened risk there. I think largely driven by the crypto winter and, and some fallout there that's affected some of our BAS peers. Uh, but sure, definitely more heightened awareness uh, and involvement by the regulators. Partially what we're looking at is we are altering our business model just ever so slightly. Uh, still fundamentally that debate between embedded finance, uh, right? Uh, and and are we better at working with fintechs and, and being the brand and partnering with fintechs to deliver our products? Or are we better at embedding our products within a brand mm-hmm. uh you know we're, we're we're currently working with one of the top three insurance companies in the country you know as they want to talk to their customers and their community differently mm-hmm. um and we can play a part in that so you know we're kind of evolving more to larger companies we're, we're fortunate that uh, those doors are opening for us you know and, and it provides us a little bit of extra guarantee or that indemnification quality goes up um God, I got to tell you, it's blocking and tackling every day. You can never lose sight of take care of your people, take care of your customers, do what's right by both. And then the shareholders will win um, always while consulting with the regulators, right? They're the fourth stool leg that you need to think about. Thank you for sharing that. And and I think some great things for others to probably think about as well uh, based on that. So you mentioned embedded finance. Um, I think that takes me to the whole topic of bank tech ventures. You know, I mentioned that we're partners in that and that's been so fun. I'm curious, as you think about the term bank tech uh, in the broader landscape of fintech, like what what does that mean to you as a banker? Yeah, yeah. and and probably the best way I can describe uh, this fun journey that we're on and thank thank you, Mr. Hevdy, for donating an extra 15 hours a week of my time. But, but yeah, I mean, it's all great. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But the theory at Coastal, right, behind Bank Tech Ventures is Coastal does not invest directly in any of our fintech partners or the brands that we work with. You know, we've always segregated those to say we don't want a financial commitment. 
to the success or failure of, of our fintech partners. But what I will tell you is our bank will directly invest in technology companies that help Coastal be a better bank. And whatever that definition of be a better bank and delivering what our partners and customers expect. And so I think that's the derivative of what got me so excited about Bank Tech Ventures is, you know, really it's a strategic partnership, a strategic fund. And that is what's so exciting is this is bank enabling tech. It's not fintech. It's a quantum difference. And I would even segregate it different than my interpretation of embedded finance. This is really trying to find companies that can help our community bank at Coastal be better and, and talk to customers better, acquire customers better, uh, garner dis, uh, you know diversified income and revenue streams. And, and that's the way I think of it is where would I put my money as a bank to be better, which makes the money is, is Bank Tech Ventures and that theory. And the companies that uh, obviously, yeah, 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 that's exactly absolutely. right. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we we've, we've done quite well investing in these bank tech companies, and 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 I think Bank Tech Ventures is going to have a lot of fun news to talk about this next year. Plus, we're using that technology of the companies we're investing in. Yeah, and that that's the key, right? Is that um, there's a dual value here? Is it's changing and helping you evolve your business while also participating in the the equity cap table of of these businesses. It's easy to say, I understand the economic model of if I invest in some company and then I use that company, the economic value goes up because I'm using the company. It's quite different for me to get the bank excited about 10 new projects this year. Yes. Um, and, and we love it, you know, and I'm constantly challenging the team and right, I've got a little ADD working on that mm -hmm. I, I always try to be good about not overwhelming the teams, but there's so many exciting projects. I keep telling the team, and I when, when we talk to the bankers, hey, pick two to three this year, sure. but commit to that evolution and pick those two to three. Not only does it improve your ROE of your investment of the, the holding company, but it also improves the return of your bank, which is really what we're all after, not the R&D or the, the return on our money, but our core franchise doing better. Yes. That's, that's such great perspective. Well, you, you talked about CCBX, just mentioned it. You've been one of the most active and successful banking as a service banks in the past five years, Eric. Let's talk a little bit about that. You know, you're now several years in. What would you say are the key things you've learned in this journey? And, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, you've got some bigger brands now. Uh, coming to you, but like, what what do you highlight as sort of your key learning so far? <laughs> well, uh, not to hang out with the staff too much on Mondays or Fridays because because they usually want to kill me on those two days. Mondays because mm -hmm. I I get all excited about the week ahead, and Fridays we look back, and they don't like me on either day. <laughs> so uh, I avoid them on Fridays and Mondays. What I would say is, any time you're evolving, you're going to make mistakes, mm -hmm. and. I own my fair share of the landmines um, and I, you know, and, and I'm, I'm full of spit and vinegar and I, I love to keep progressing and keep knocking down walls and, and keep on that evolutionary path. And I gotta be honest, sometimes we look back and like, why the heck did we do this this mm -hmm. way? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I have to remind myself, it's okay to make mistakes. Uh, and that's probably the first lesson sure. is, everybody's going to have mistakes. And as long as you're transparent with your board, transparent with the regulators and transparent with, and humble with your staff saying, I own it. 
thanks guys for trying to do it this way, but let's punt. You know, we've built stuff three, four different times now in, in the six years we've been doing it. Carrie, you don't want to date yourself, but I'll say it for the group, but Carrie was, was part of our first partner at Aspiration. Mm -hmm. So that's how Carrie and I got to know each other six years ago now, Carrie. Crazy. Uh, crazy. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's about the ability to pivot and change and you, you try something that doesn't work, that's okay. And, and you got to get that foundation laid with the regulators, the board, your staff and say, guys, I'm going to give the staff and the leadership and the execs air cover to make mistakes. But mm -hmm. what we won't tolerate is not trying to evolve. And that's probably the biggest lesson because change is hard and stretching that rubber band of change. Mm -hmm. It always organizations in a highly bureaucratic industry, banking, regulated industry, the rubber band wants to snap back to the mm -hmm. least resistant, least risk. And you got to keep stretching it. And to do that, you have to give people the room to make mistakes and not be afraid in, 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 in confines of within bumper rails. But but it that's probably been the biggest single lesson is you're going to make mistakes and it's OK. As CEO, beg your board for forgiveness often. Uh, and then just move on. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's I, such I, a... Use my sports analogy today. I'll go a little further. I love pro golfers. Hmm. When they make a horrible shot on the golf course, the next shot, they've completely forgotten the last shot. Hmm. And they talk about that a lot. Now, me, I'm a horrible golfer. And yeah. when I make that horrible shot, I lament about it for three or four holes. Exactly. But I think in business, I'm pretty good about forgetting about my mm -hmm. mistakes and moving forward. And sure. and there's some analogies to be played out there. Sure, for sure. 2023, I mean, we, we've seen, you know, unbelievable amounts of fintech investment in the last three years, let's say. It's tapered off a bit, maybe not not completely gone away, but there's been a lot of what I would call venture capital subsidy into fintech. You were somewhat a beneficiary of some other partner banks have been beneficiaries of. As you walk into 2023, what do you think is now different? Maybe that's part of it, but other what what else? What's different now than when you started? Um. Yeah, I mean that's a. That's, I think it's the the old good old. Um, I think it's an Indian parable that stems from where you're touching the elephant matters. Mm. And if you're riding on top of the elephant, the view is fantastic and you mm -hmm. love it. If you're, if you're holding the snout, you're kind of like, this is weird, but funny. And I kind of like it. And if you're holding the tail, it, it's not so great because you get shit on every once in a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're all touching the same animal. So mm -hmm. I, I think that this season we are in with bank tech and specifically some FinTech and Everybody's looking at this a little different. I don't think anybody disputes your comments that VC dollars are down pretty significantly. Although, ironically, by stage matters. Sure. I hear uh, seed and A rounds are holding their own, but compared to CDE rounds, their their valuations are down pretty significantly. And then, obviously, we've all seen SPACs all but stop. Mm -hmm. We've seen some IP, IPOs taken off the table as well. And so, but but VC is still looking for opportunity to change. Things. For sure, that's right. And you know, I love kind of what's happening. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm touching the elephant a little bit different, but I think it's forcing the recognition that some fundamental business attributes matter. Yes. Are do you have a good business plan? Are you taking care of a consumer or small business segment? 
Are you within the regulatory bounds in a safe and transparent manner? And I think if you're fundamentally serving needs of society in a safe and sound method with maybe some new technology added to it, you can still get value dollars. Mm-hmm. We have quite a few fintechs in our portfolio that have had huge up rounds in the last three months. And and I, it's an attribute to the uh, CEOs of our fintechs. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting a good fight and they're being recognized. But I think the wild, crazy of here's a napkin theories may be on pause for a while. Sure. Yeah, I think totally, totally fair. And so if you're, let's take that, just one, one follow-up there. If you're a bank that maybe hasn't delved into banking as a service or partnering with fintechs historically, but you're thinking about it, it's now 2023, environment's a little bit different. Thinking about your your comment on mistakes and being okay with that, how, how do you think about where they start? Because I think, that my and, and part of why I say that is, I could see a bank saying, we've got to hit a home run on our very first one (laughs) or else this isn't going to work. And that's a high risk. That's like saying, I'm going to go make an angel investment and the first one has to (laughs) return 100x. Like that is very atypical in in actuality, right? So how do you think about someone starting now? Yeah, that's that's a great analogy too. So I kind of, when I talk to our peers and my friends and that are interested, I always tell them, one, commit to getting into banking as a service. I mean, I'm all for experimenting, Mm -hmm. but even on your first deal, you've got to have the bumper set up and you got to have the risk control set up and you need the board informed. You need to be talking to your regulators. So there's a lot of transparency, communication process and systems, even for the first deal. Mm -hmm. But with the first deal, what I always say is I kind of hedge my bet and say, don't try to hit a home run try to complement the needs of your current community bank. Hmm. So look for a segment or a product or a a distribution channel that accentuates your bank. Mm -hmm. So if your bank needs fee income, look for a partner that has fee income. If you you need deposits, look for deposits. If you need Mm -hmm. loans, look for loans. If you need diversification in loans, look for certain types of loans from different partners. So, you know, that first one, it's pretty easy because you can look at your bank and say, hey, we're good what at these we three need? things, mm-hmm. but we need help on these three things. Well, then pick out of either to accentuate your strength and make that conscious decision because you already know the risk boundaries, you know the products, or say, hey, we're, we're really deficient over here. We could use a lot of help. Well, then look for that. That way, the evolutionary step is actually an evolutionary step of your core franchise. And, 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 and it will allow the staff and the team and the board and the regulators to transcend the new business opportunity. Mm. Great perspective. That, that's, and I think very clear and actionable. That's great. I, I appreciate that. So Eric, there's still about 5,000 community banks in the US. Uh, the number keeps shrinking. Uh, I think we both agree. I think that's a key hallmark of of bank tech ventures is our belief that our overall economy is better with more banks serving the unique needs of the various communities that they can serve, whether that's geographic or or otherwise. What what is going to help keep more banks in business thriving in in the years ahead? Um, well, one, uh, you and I are are drawn to Bank Tech Ventures because we love the entrepreneurial spirit of our community bank CEOs. Yeah, 
they are some of the most salt of the earth people in society. They care about communities um, that are often overlooked by government or overlooked by bigger banks uh, or often, mm -hmm. you know, just not getting the servicing they need. And our community banks have been stepping up and meeting those needs for hundreds of years. So I, I think as we go down this path, and I keep using the word evolution, I try not to ever use the word revolution. Mm -hmm. I think our peers need to continue to embrace what what can I do better to meet the needs of the people I'm trying to serve? And you, you said it, either geography or digitally or a type of community, right, uh, demographically. Um, and, and what does it take to do that five years from today from today? And I, I, I think we're all good at recognizing the challenges. Um, you know, I, I also I often think the bank CEO network, um, we, we counsel each other constantly. We're, we're a bunch of psychologists help leaning on each other and complaining to each other. But, you know, we also need to help each other say, hey, here's some solutions. Here's some ways to evolve. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your challenges? You know, one of the things, again, that we've been doing really well, I like, uh, you know, Sarah, Brandon, and the team, and you, is getting to know our LPs, our bankers, and where where are their needs and what are their challenges and and how can they continue to evolve and and it doesn't have i mean i always talk about this spectrum and, and it's a risk spectrum in some cases but it's a it's an adoption spectrum of even these banks that maybe don't want to onboard new customers through a brand or a fintech think it has mm -hmm. a service that's mm -hmm. the far right of the spectrum the far left of the spectrum is hey, there is some good bank technology companies out there that can help with compliance, can help with BSA, can help with efficiency tech, mm -hmm. or reg tech. And that's low threat to the society, you know, your employees, that's low threat to the regulators. It, it doesn't really affect your customers. It may make your customer experience better. Then you walk up that spectrum to say, now I want to maybe service my customers better. I want to give them different opportunities to talk to our bank sure. or be able to chat with us. And then it goes through, maybe I want to onboard new customers digitally, but under my brand, right? Our community mm -hmm. bank brand. And then, and right, you, so you got this spectrum of, okay, I've got a five-year map. All right. As you build your five-year map to where, how can I help these customers in five years? You know, baby step it along that spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, again, super clear and and helpful. That's so good. So we we talked earlier about you know this new year. How do you plan in this time of of higher uncertainty than I think we've seen? Like every year is uncertain as it starts, but I think we we're walking in probably. I I think you'd agree higher uncertainty than we've seen at least in the last five years. In that um, funny you say that, but last January. Yeah. There was no immunization yet, and COVID yep. had the world by the tail, and we were shutting down cities, municipalities, no contact. Yep. Um, you know, the year before that, COVID had just hit, and we were doing PPP that had never existed. I I'll tell you this is I love, and you you are a banker, Kerry. It's in your blood, your family, your dad, uh, you know, chairman of a bank board, a small bank board. It's in your blood is we can't help but say, this year is going to be tough, yeah. but I'm so proud of what our bankers have done because every year I look back and say, God, you know, in 2006, that was tough. And here's my yeah. comments. I look at my notes yeah. and I'm like, oh, yeah. 
you know, and, and every year has those 10 or 15 things that are like, wow, how are we going to overcome this? But our bankers always do. Yeah, they do. I, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing for me is I, you know, I'm one of these sort of weird entrepreneurs that says, if everybody else is sitting still, that's the time to go. That's the time to act, right? And I, sometimes I fear that it's it is an opportunity for people to take their foot off the gas at a time well, where we're band, right yeah. that rubber band yeah. it, it it goes to that mindset i believe that you can use any excuse any year any moment in time to let the rubber band go back to its yeah. original right everything yeah. regresses to the median that's over right. time that's right and it's leadership that differentiates that and and that's why i love so many of our bank ceos in our network because they're pushing the teams and they're pushing society, the regulators and tech companies yeah. to say, we have to keep stretching this rubber band. Uh, I can't let this year's topics and no different than last year's topics regress. We yeah. have got to be better next year than we are this year. And it's that mantra. But otherwise, Carrie, I think you're exactly right. Far too many people either say I'm tired or man, I just, this year is different. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's either a core competency or it's not. Yeah. And those that have it, you know it because you can see what their bank is doing and you can see how they're succeeding. You can see the enjoyment in the staff. You can see the customer engagement and many, many different metrics you can look at to say, okay, I can see who's continually striving to be better and who's not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I think you're, you're spot on there. So, and you talk to way more banks on a day-to-day -day basis than probably almost any other banker, I would say. Like you, you, you know, you were saying, like you guys counsel each other, you compare notes. I, I, I'm always so impressed. What, what are you feeling like they should be thinking about that you're not hearing from them? Um, God, we worry about everything. So, yeah, uh, it, it's wide-ranging psychology sessions. You know. The unknowns and, and we don't know a lot that's going to happen the next 12 to five, 12 months to five years. That's a statement. Mm -hmm. And what I always worry about is how flexible people maintain. And, and we brought an economist into our bank probably three, four years ago, and he said it really well in an analogy he used of a superstar uh, pro baseball athlete. If you've ever seen, I'm going to try to use this analogy a little bit, but I'm probably going to butcher it. But, you know, when the guy's on first base and the pitcher's getting ready to throw the ball to home plate, you know, that the guy on first base, he leads off, right? Mm -hmm. he, he's, he, he takes about five or six steps off of first base. And if you look at him, he's got a low center of gravity. His arms are waving back and forth. He's intently looking at the pitcher. But he's in that absolutely flexible position that he can pivot at a moment's notice to either go to second base and try to steal it yep. or go back to first base. And that ability is so hard to master. Mm. And that's why you have these great base runners that are often paid large amounts of money to be able to steal second base for a living. Sure. But th what they've mastered is that ability to maintain the flexibility while being on, mm. right? The, the path is I want to get home. I got to score a run. Everybody knows that. But, but if I can grab a second base, if it becomes available and pivot, 
then I got to do that. And and again, to compliment the community bankers, that was PPP as an example. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody knew that was coming, and then they knocked it out of the park. But that could also be other things that they see, and you said it, there's so many unique opportunities in down markets. And you just got to look and be prepared. And, you know, another way I had a professor at Carolina say, luck is, is being prepared when the opportunity arises. Mm-hmm. And that preparation preparedness is just maintaining your flexibility and how do you adopt that at coastal i'll just brag about our team real quick is we have six core values that are on every single piece of paper within the company they're plastered on all our walls they're on every single email and and we try our best to remind people that our six core values in a heavily regulated environment listen to these three have to do with how we do business and three have to do with internal one is stay flexible. That's our number one core value. Okay. Number two, embrace gray thinking, mm-hmm. right? Don't be afraid of risk and, and be able to think outside the box. The third one is be unbanking. If we want to be a perfect banker, then go work at B of A or Wells Fargo. They're perfect bankers. They're good at what they do. They're highly regulated. We can't compete head to head with B of A, sure. right? I don't even try. We find our niche and then we compete separately or differently. The other three are how we take care of each other. So the the, the last three core values are take care of each other, be relentless mm-hmm. and be the best. And so you add this flexibility with this mantra of being relentless and being the best and doing it, taking care of each other because it's not going to be easy. And I, I think that's emboldened in that guy on first base trying to think mm-hmm. about second base or no, 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 run back. I got scared. Go back to first base. And he may get thrown out sometimes, and the coach says, hey, good job. That's what I hire you to do is try to take that base. And you're going to get thrown out 50% of the time, and that's okay. But but 50% of the time, you got there. Yep. So. So you talked about your team. You talked about your values. I think that's a great segue. You've grown this team significantly, and you've also added some really impressive people, Eric, in, in recent years. I'm curious, you know, you, you've led teams for a long time but what what have you learned about team building just during your time at coastal um well that, that's uh, 17 years now at coastal, going on 18 years so there's there's a lot of lessons mm. there um a lot of mistakes i made too again i hide from staff on mondays and fridays yeah. i learned those lessons um i you know i would probably say that some of the things our executives are extremely good about and this includes the new executives that we hire for. It, it's culture first, mm-hmm. and uh, they have to have the requisite knowledge, or or else they don't qualify for the position. But then it's about cultural fit, and and it comes back to those core values and leaning consistently leaning into those core values. Um, and our executives taking care of each other and communicating. It's hard, as you said, as we've grown the organization. We've we've grown the organization three hundred percent. Uh, or, you know, another way to say this from 100 million to 3.2 billion, 3.2 billion in, in that time frame. And we've gone from 45 employees to 500 employees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bureaucracy wants to creep in. Silos mm-hmm. want to creep in. And I think what our team has done is such a good job at is breaking down those silos the best that we can and talking and communicating and being open to ideas from each other and problem solving together. Now, I'm not saying we're not perfect and I'm saying I'm probably the worst. Um, you know, it's hard, and especially mm-hmm. we've got employees now in 32 states. 
Um, you know, we fully embrace the remote model. So you even got to be better on maintaining that culture, those six core values. And the discipline around that is hard. Um, you know, I used to say, man, going from 500 million to a billion, I'm really worried about losing that bureaucracy. I woke up and we went from 500 million to 3 billion on a path that's growing faster than that. And I was like, man, we, we got to double down on our values. And, you know, a, a friend of mine and somebody I'm very proud of to, to just everything he's accomplished is Larry Mazza and Don Robinson at MVB Bank, peers mm-hmm. of ours. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was on a, a webinar with Larry and he said, listen, before I answer a single question, I'm just going to tell you what our core values are at MVB and what mm-hmm. we stand for. Then I'll answer your questions. And I was, I was just awestruck, man. I mean, he just said, this is who we are. So you can understand the way I answer. I learned a lot from that and him. And um, I just try to reinforce that as we keep going. Uh, great, great feedback. So you talked about the growth, the astronomical growth. I mean, I, I've been through that in, in some of the startups I've been in, and it's hard. I'm curious, how do you think about making room for new talent to join the organization? Um, you know, and and the other side of this is how do you keep promoting from within? Yes. And, and how do you grow talent to keep up with a, a, right. a rapidly That's growing right. organization? Yeah. So two All challenges. key factors. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and making sure everybody kind of feels good about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I own it. It's a challenge. Um, you know, we, we, we hired 250 people in the last 18 months, doubling the organization. And that's a combination of some people coming from the outside. Uh, obviously, to complement some skill sets we needed specific expertise on, um, because as we got larger, you get more individualization, more silos is a bad way to say it, uh, or centers of excellent excellence that you need specific hires that we don't have that quality or skill set internally. Uh, the other part is, hey, you got to double down on, on training and giving people the opportunity to grow. And And I'm very happy to say we're still... 85, 90% promotions are from within. Amazing. With that said, you know, uh, it's widely known. We hired a new president last year, Kurt K. Rose uh, from Tab Bank. And he, he had the special qualities of having been at a commercial bank most of his career. And then the last eight, nine years at a banking as a service bank. Mm-hmm. And he brought a ton of excitement, maturity, as well as expertise that I don't have. And the board was overwhelmingly saying, hey, we got to compliment Eric. Eric's got a lot of weaknesses. So let's go find those compliments. Um, and of course, we looked at the staff internally and we got some great leaders, but they look a lot like me in some cases. Hmm. And so we needed somebody different that could really complement the executive team as well. So that's an example of, hey, you gotta, you gotta be cautious doing it both ways. Same time, half of our executives are promotion, you know, 70% of our execs are promotions from within and they're leading us down this path. They're evolving. I'm so proud of them because they're the ones that mm-hmm. I think have got the hardest challenge changing their, their own tires that they built while they continue to evolve. And they're like, Eric, we just built this car. And I'm like, I know, strip it down, rebuild it. Let's go. And they're like, all right. And they keep doing it. And I was just so proud of the teams. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's such a fun, you know, from where you sit, that's such a fun thing to see other people growing at such a rapid oh. rate as well. It, you know, one thing we, we, it's worth diverting a derivative of just the new staff and outsiders is the board discussion. Mm. Uh, it's, I, I get this question a lot from the bankers is tell us about your board, Eric, and have you been rebuilding the board? And mm-hmm. it, 
hey, same methodology applies. It's evolutionary. So we do, as somebody retires or somebody openly says, hey, this is crazy, I'm out. We look for that next board member that has the expertise that adds value to the next evolution of the bank, as well as as a cultural fit. So yeah, over the last five years, we've added five new board members, you know, Mm -hmm. on average about one a year. And that complements the existing retaining six board members that have been here all along and have that ability to pivot and grow and still be key competencies in certain areas. Uh, but the board is just as important as the staff. Um, you know, the board boards of our brethren need to evolve just as our staff does. Yeah, I, I think calling that out is so key and, and important because you're right. That is, at times, that feels like in many banks, a place that is untouchable for change. And yet that that can set such a tone to not change or drive more rapid evolution. Yeah, the, the only thing I'll warn everybody, and, and my board will probably listen to this podcast someday, is, boy, you, you hire good board members, they get in your business. So be cautious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they be ask careful. a lot of really good questions all the time. That's right. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, let's go back a little bit on this idea. You know, a lot of banks haven't yet invested in the kind of talent or the kind of culture change that can really help them start to achieve this evolution and transformation that that we've been talking about. And yet, you know, it's good. Recognition is the first step. We're hearing that the number one need bankers are citing for 2023 is help attracting and retaining talent. Yeah. Uh, So it's interesting. Yeah. So how, how would you advise them to start that process? Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I too was a little shocked when Wayne and Charles from the ICBA told us about that survey results today. And uh, I love that the ICBA is all over this topic and and, and recognizing it because it was a blind spot for me. I'm hiring like crazy, but we've adopted a very flexible model, multiple states. We're now in Canada with staff. So for us, it you know, maybe I wasn't feeling that. So it was good to hear that from the ICBA guys. Um, yeah, what I would say is and in our case, lean into your core values and know thyself first and foremost and where you're trying to go so that you can articulate then that clear, consistent message of where you need help mm-hmm. and, and be very clear in why your current staff can't get you there. You know, because this is a, a this topic, you know, specific questions about attracting outside talent, uh, because within a year of that new employee, you're talking to becomes an existing employee that still wants mm-hmm. promotion and career opportunities, That's right. Right? That's right? So you got to own both sides of this equation when you're talking to these new folks. Um, and, and I, my humble theory is that to resonate with people in society, to attract them to your franchise, they want to hear what's different. And, and they really want to know that you believe in the growth of the individual and the growth of the company. Um, you know, I, I love it. We have an employee here that's been a wonderful advisor to me, John Dixon, who who ran a multi-billion-dollar bank for years and years and years, and he, he's been with us twelve plus years now. And you know, he and I were laughing the other day because he's like, Eric, I've never worked harder in my entire life, and he ran a five-billion-dollar commercial bank. And he said, "But I'll, I gotta be honest with you, I don't know if I've had this much fun either." Mm. And to make it fun and exciting and different and change. If you handle change appropriately, and I, I'm not saying I know how to do that to the nth degree, 
but change is important, but how you change matters mm. just as much as what you're changing. Make it fun. And and I think that environment and 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 just trying to engage the employees and, and have their say and and I'll be the first one. I every time an employee comes to me with a concern or a question, I'm like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't have the answers. I just know we need to change. Sure. So what do you want to do? And and I think that really engages them in a weird way to say, you better be leading this company and taking us to that next direction. But I ain't doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so, and that, that empowerment matters so much. I, you know, we, we've talked inside uh, the BTV team about how do we help banks with this idea of, you know, making, make banking cool again. And that some of it's about just to your points, talking differently, telling a, a new, fresh, exciting story to just become part of the consideration set for the next generation of, of talent that maybe was, has been going into the technology companies that now they don't necessarily have those opportunities. Hey, this is a great opportunity for, for banks to tell a story about the impact that their businesses have in the, the communities that they serve and that that is high purpose and high value to people. Yeah, I think you're right on point there. And 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 really, it, you said it in the start of the podcast is this year's going to be crazy, specifically for fintechs. Mm-hmm. And what that means, that's a hiring opportunity for our banks to pick up some different thinking people that complement our existing that's people. Right. And um, Terry, I mean, Carrie, you're, you're right on to that point. Well, Eric, we're running up against our time. I got one <laughs> more question for you. Um, you've spoken to it a lot. What drives you? You've had an amazing run at, at Coastal in the last 17 years, as, as you talked about. What drives you to keep growing and learning as a leader? Um, you know, humbly, I would say it, it's my personal faith and being a servant leader. Uh, I rely heavily on that to say, you know, at, at Coastal alone, you know, 500 families depend on this company. Mm-hmm. And that's a tremendous Wait, but it's also a tremendous pleasure to to give that opportunity and take pride in that we're, we're allowing families to live and do what they want to do in society and take care of them. And then you know that that gets me excited, right? And that wakes me up every day to say I have a I have a wonderful responsibility, and I owe it to them to be better. And because I work for them, and you know to my peers. I owe it to them to help them and them to help me because we care about each other. And if you really care about your staff and you really care about your peers and, you know, you, you want to help them because we community bankers, God bless, at the end of the day, are caring people that want to do right. Mm-hmm. And if you embrace that, really, it, it, for me, that's what gets me up every day. You put the D, double D battery in, as you said in the beginning, and then you go off and run and you do what you enjoy, which is helping other people. And, and that's fun. I mean, where, where could you go wrong in trying to do that? Oh, Eric, thank you. Thank you. I, that, that's so such a great way to end this. I'm so grateful for your friendship and, and our partnership. And I always enjoy our conversations every time. Thanks for joining. Thanks for letting me record this one so I could share <laughs> it with others. I'm super excited for this year that we have ahead of us uh, and the adventures that will no doubt ensue. Uh, I love it, my friend. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. See you, bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. 
you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.